everyone. Welcome to your newest Cosmic Matrix podcast episode with your host, myself, Laura Matsu, and my husband, Bernhard Gunther. And on this episode, we're going to talk about Israel, Palestine, and war in general from a psycho-spiritual and occult perspective. So in this episode, we're really going to discuss this Israel-Palestine conflict, how there's really a lot of fear and anxiety in the collective. People think that World War III is starting. People are pressuring people to take sides. It seems like the world has gotten a little insane, to say the least. And we're going to discuss what are the hidden occult forces behind this geopolitical conflict divide and conquer, how that's playing out, psychological warfare and emotional manipulation and how that plays out. And Bernhard also has his own story of being a pro-Palestinian activist over a decade ago, speaking out against Zionism and what he's really learned about that. And, you know, there's so many different parts of this. There's a victim perpetrator dance, there's the (laughs) virtue signaling, there's people all of a sudden supporting this idea of decolonization. Um, And we're going to break this all down and really also talk about, you know, that all wars are really bankers wars and what we see happening with this whole crazy craziness and what our opinion is about it. And then also really most of all, we're going to be discussing that there's a third force. There's forces in the hidden spiritual realm that inspire and control both sides and how this relates to divide and conquer, the occult game of stalking. And, you know, both sides are really taken over by Watiko right now. So we're going to talk about all that. And then in part two, so if you're new to this podcast, we always have another extra 45 minutes to an hour that's available for members of our Veil of Reality membership. So you can go to veiloverreality.com, click on membership on the heading bar, and you can join and have access to every second hour of over 100 podcasts we've recorded. So on the second hour, we're going to really go deeper into this psychological, spiritual warfare, how it's fought through us, how you can recognize when Watiko is working through you, how it plays on certain psychological defense mechanisms, especially splitting, projection, displacement, and how can we protect ourselves from psychological, spiritual warfare and really how to recognize when our own wounds is maybe, are maybe driving our our activism and how to really recognize when we get taken over through these forces. So before we get into that, Bernhard also has an announcement. Yes, so tying actually somewhat into this topic as well, I have a workshop coming up I just announced and it will be a three-week workshop over three weekends uh, next month called How to Create Abundance in Alignment with Divine Will. Transform scarcity consciousness into prosperity through connecting to your creative power and purpose. And you might think, why do I say this fits into everything in what's happening right now? Well, Because as Laura mentioned, we're going to go deeper into this. It is said that all wars are bankers' wars, right? There's a lot of money to be made on both sides when two nations, two sides go into war. And this is also how the hidden forces operate uh, through the hijacking of the money force, so to speak. 
um, but most often we always put the blame externally. So instead of only bl um, blaming the evil banking system or even seeing money as evil and so forth, we need to ask ourselves, what is our relationship to money and power? What unconscious or conscious beliefs do we have around them? How do we give away our power, including the money power? And it's very clear that humanity has been manipulated by the low expressions of money and power and the, uh, the force of sex, the sex force for thousands of years, be it through the temptation of our lower nature, false program beliefs around money and wealth, which most often result in unconscious self-sabotage or through the actions of the hostile forces that have hijacked the forces of money and power and keep people controlled and impoverished, as Sri Aurobindo talked about. As a result, many people, many of us, we have rejected the money force altogether, consciously or unconsciously, and we've been programmed to perceive it as evil and unspiritual. But this is also an error and ties into the many distortions and corruptions uh, regarding spiritual beliefs around money and materialism and all of that. So we need to reconquer the money force. Why? Um, to become more powerful agents of change, right? To really take back our own uh, creative power to create abundance in alignment of divine will. What does it mean, alignment of divine will? With your deeper purpose for being here, your true self, so to speak. So in this eight-week, uh, excuse me, uh, three-week program over three weeks, I go deep into all this program and I'll teach you how to identify obstacles in your life that are blocking you from creating more abundance and prosperity in your life how to cut through the matrix scarcity program, false spiritual and religious program around money, and the popular misconceptions and myths around uh, surrounding wealth and money. I also go deeper into the psycho-spiritual principles and universal laws behind the growth of wealth. And I will also show you how to increase the inflow of money and thrive in your creative power in alignment with divine will and your deeper soul purpose in integrity with the times we're in right now. Um, so we really need to conquer this matrix poverty program that's so rampant in the world. And I also speak from my own experience, having worked through my own self-sabotage, my own scarcity program and all of that. So if you want to learn more about it, go to the website createdivineabundance.com and there you can learn more about the topics we go into the schedule will be three Saturdays, November 18th, 25th, and November 2nd, three hours each Saturday. And also all the calls, you know, the very long presentations, they will be recorded and uh, accessible on the course platform for those who register and cannot attend live. And you will have also access to the recording for an unlimited time anyway. So that's starting next November. Yeah, so let's go into the, you ready to go into the podcast? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. So, okay, uh, for those who don't have, <laughs> I mean, you must be living under a rock and not using social media to not know what's going on. So let's just talk about the Israel-Palestine conflict, Hamas, is it going to trigger World War III? Um, and there's really a lot of fear and anxiety in the collective. You can see it. Um, I personally think that the trauma of the past few years has not been processed. And now people are just going to act more emotionally dysregulated, more hysterical. And it's just madness. Like we are in for we are in for a crazy 2024 if this is how we're going to handle stuff, in my opinion. Yes. Well, just recap, as most people I know 
hopefully know it's, we've seen about two weeks ago there was this quote-unquote surprise attack by Hamas which mm -hmm. is uh, apparently the Palestinian revolutionary party so to speak trying to fight for Palestinian independence in the state of Palestine they surprise attacked a music festival uh, close to the border of Israel and Gaza and uh, interestingly also on the side note this music festival was just moved to that location only a day or two day prior so that's already very fascinating and they went on a hostage and killing spray for hours literally parachuting in there and killing innocent civilians attendants of the music festival uh, killing jewish civilians and that's definitely <laughs> obviously brought a lot of uproar um and people got upset and right away everybody claimed israel has the right to defend itself and they started their retaliation of the last days and weeks and uh, bombing civilian structures hospitals in gaza palestine also killing civilians babies children and obviously they always claim that hamas is using human shields uh, to shield them from these attacks and it's a big mess Uh, but it did create just quite a fascinating, intense reaction in the collective, especially nowadays with social media, because all of a sudden you saw all these graphic images of dead civilians, dead children, dead babies on both sides, the Israeli side, the Palestinian side, and so on and so forth. And right away, um, people jumped on the bandwagon, either hardcore pro-Israel, uh, pro uh, Israel has the right to defend itself, or right away pro-Palestinian and, you know, uh, standing up for the underdog, so to speak. And it's really taken a life on its own. It's really fascinating how so many people um, get into this bloodthirst thirst, uh, crying and promoting warmongering. You know, I remember even Jordan Peterson, very disturbing quote or tweet he put out uh, stating, give them hell Uh, what's Nehanyatu, right? Kind of uh, supporting Israel and all of that. But what nobody really questioned in, in the consensus anyway, and David Icke pointed out <laughs> uh, right away, is kind of, you know, this surprise attack. Like, how, why was this allowed to happen? Especially the Israeli Gaza border with the Mossad, Israeli intelligence. Usually, not a cockroach can go through without the Israeli IDF. The, Uh, Israeli defense force to be aware of it. So the Hamas terrorists, so to speak, or quote-unquote freedom fighters, were able to go on this killing spree for hours, go in and go out again without any opposition from the Israeli defense force. This is a huge red flag. Yeah, yeah. So why... So. Why do people, what was this woman who was on the Dark Horse podcast with Brett Weinstein? Wasn't she a former IDF who was talking about was how talking secure about the, yeah. you know, the IDF forces exactly. are on the borders and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of people who have shared that that, that doesn't, yeah. doesn't make sense. Exactly. So that's, but nobody's asking that. It seems almost on some level that was allowed to happen to trigger the war, to trigger something bigger. So it's kind of like a problem reaction solution. And David Icke made a very fascinating uh, uh, tweet shortly the day after this attack, basically, uh, stating, surprise, attack my arse. <laughs> this is being allowed to happen. Hamas is owned by the cult. Netanyahu is owned by the cult. Mossad is owned by the cult. And the cult wants war involving cult-owned Iran. And that's really where it's leading to. It's really 
been very extremely close to literally World War Three of like Isla, the Islamic nations against the Western nations. With our U.S. is being pulled back into it because they obviously they support Israel. And every presidential candidate also right away supports Israel. Why? Because the U.S. government in many ways is under Zionist control, has been for many years. It's not many years. It's not a surprise. But it seems so artificially pushed to this point. Um, and the masses are being manipulated, emotionally manipulated to, to take a side and to engage in this warmongering. And that's that's just very disturbing to see. Yeah, and also... Uh, Biden has funneled money to not only Iran, but also Palestine yes. and also Israel. Yes, all <laughs> so. sides. Again, all wars are bankers' war financed by the same sides because who profits at the end of the day, right? The bankers, the military-industrial complex and all of that. And you can go back all uh, history, the modern history anyway, how all wars are bankers' wars financing both sides. And I think that also interesting thing to note is from a basic perspective divide and conquer yeah. this has divided of movement of people who were starting to unite and speak out against different issues yes. mainly the vaccine issue and by the way we are still in the midst of a horrific amount of injuries and sudden deaths that are just surrounding people all the time. So there was many people who were starting to become aware of this issue, and now there's been a major division within that movement as well. So, and yeah. I also felt this really, it was very instant when it came in, this hardcore Wetiko-infested energy when all of this came to a head, or is still happening, I guess. But when it all kind of started to happen, Everyone was pressuring other people to take a side, to agree with them. They were getting mad at you if you chose one side. If you chose the other side, they attack you. If you chose no side, they attack you. And all of a sudden, people lost all ability to be objective, to rationally look at this. And it was kind of like, F you, you support Israel. F you, you support Palestine. And just so much like division and divide and conquer within movements that were starting to unite. And that's what was crazy. And it's also just people attacking others for just not agreeing with them. Yeah, it's really fascinating because it's particular is almost by design, it really divided not only parts of the truth of movement, but also the conservative, conservative movement. There was more on the side of questioning vaccines and exposing vaccine injuries and the whole COVID setup and whatnot, even on a maybe basic consensus level. Um, so it kind of divided that group. And you can see how a lot of some people, Ben Shapiro, the so-called alternative media, right? Jordan Peterson and many others, hardcore pro-Israel right away, even going into warmongering. And then other people more speaking out for Palestine, but there was definitely this division and distraction from what everything else is exactly, happening. Yeah, That's a yeah. key point with, for example, the vaccines. And it was, it put this movement that happened which was more unified in some sense, um, completely back and dismantled them, not dismantled, but disrupted them. Yeah. And in a sense, it was an attempt, some people said, and I agree with, to hijack the conservative truth movement, so to speak. The left leftist woke movement has already been hijacked completely. And now where Tico has taken over some people in this in this more conservative truther movement, so to speak, really fascinating to see. I would say conservative and truther movement are actually 
together, but it's also separate too. Yeah. You know, not yeah. every single person speaking out is a conservative. Exactly. So I'm just so, I'm just generalizing in the sense of what, what I saw, yeah. especially on social media. Yeah, it's really psychological warfare, and it uses our emotions to manipulate us. And I think that mm. by getting the collective to cheer for war, you get the consent of the collective. It's like a trap of agreement. Yes, exactly. You know, they want people to get riled up, and that's where we go deep into from the cult perspective. All this emotional luge people were projecting onto the other side, their un the anger and really like the shadow projection, this kind of emotional fever, this anxiety, the hostility, the anger, the violence and words coming through that got triggered through these pictures, through these attacks, is feeds the forces behind all of it, the occult hidden forces on unseen realms, on a hyperdimensional perspective, who kind of play both sides in that in that way and pit humans against humans. And this is also something we definitely uh, want to speak out more but i also want to talk about something you just mentioned because a lot of people have literally pressured other people to take a side that people you know we've been both attacked because we kind of um looked at this whole issue more from the higher perspective from a psycho-spiritual perspective what's really going on from a shadow perspective and all of that and don't get too much into the political details into all of that but i've been personally attacked for not speaking out for palestine you've been attacked for not standing up for israel and all these kind of things oh, in both, between bo right? both sides both people sides. are like you you know like uh, and then you pick no side and you get yeah. attacked so it's just whatever and, and and most of the time it's just people assuming what my views are yes and then attacking me based on those assumptions exactly. so we want to add clarity to that because you also we're a pro-Palestinian activist speaking out against Zionism. So maybe exactly. you can share a little bit about... Yeah, so I want to share this because some people may be aware of that, some may not. Because some people claim by not speaking out, uh, you know, what, what's, the, what's the slogan? Your silence is, is violence. violence. <laughs> which is also, by the way, a slogan that BLM activists yeah. used as well. Yeah, so, so sorry. So here's the thing, here's the issue. So ironically, I used to use the slogan, your silence is violence, over 10 years ago. Okay, I was a very much engaged pro-Palestine activist. And when I mean activist, I was not just typing stuff on social media. I was literally at protests, painting the Palestinian flag on my face and having signs uh, showing Zionism is terrorism, getting round up by the police and all of that in Los Angeles. So I was in several of these protests. I was speaking out about it on social media over 10, 15 years ago. I wrote uh, longer articles about it. I went down the rabbit hole. I really did my research as well, really understanding the true history of Zionism. So a lot of people who speak out nowadays, uh, the vast majority who just jump on this bandwagon probably don't have a really understanding of the story of Zionism to begin with and how the state of Israel came to play, be and all of that. And that can, but also open up a can of worms, because if you're sincere in your research, you go deep into search, you know, the history of Zionism. And then you have to understand the connection to World War II and World War I, even before that, and then ties into question your official uh, version of history, so to speak. And this can open up quite a can of worms, which this information I've then also seen getting hijacked by mentally unstable people, by uh, right-wing people he th who then use this information for true anti-Semitism, true Jew hatred. And it's all the Jews. Jews control everything. 
And, um, you know, to the point even to implying that Adolf Hitler was actually a good guy and I'm completely distant myself from this and didn't want to engage in all of that. And I remember um, once there was this one experience I had when I was in one of these protests, physical pro pro-Palestine protests in, L in LA, when I realized the futility of protesting, the futility of just sharing information. And I was at this protest and I saw just how people just mechanically checked out, pulling up signs like hippies, a lot of leftists back then. By the way, on the side note, back then, um, there was no BLM. It wasn't hijacked by the woke uh, cult as it's hijacked nowadays. This pro-Palestinian view is now hijacked by the woke cult nowadays. But I saw the futility because people were so checked out and it was just something they did Uh, out of virtue or their virtue own trauma, signaling, virtue signaling, or I can see in myself my own, own inner trauma, my own shadow, my own dissatisfaction of myself. I just needed to identify with the victim and be a martyr and help them and all of that. And was just resulted in psychological splitting. But I saw the futility of just protesting, sharing information. Something deeper needs to happen. And that's what I realized over the years in my own inner process of doing deep psycho-spiritual work that the change needs to happen within ourselves. And as Sri Aurobindo even wrote, and I want to quote him here real quick, war is no longer perhaps a biological necessity, but it is still a psychologi psychological necessity. What is within us must manifest itself outside. It ties into Jungian shadow work as well. So I saw, realized the futility of just protesting or posting stuff and... Uh, It just, nothing really changes at all. I've done it all over the years, 10, 15 years ago. What people now start doing now again over and over, and it just keeps repeating itself in the loop. So what really needs to happen is a deeper shift in consciousness through the psycho-spiritual work and really understanding also the occult forces, the hidden forces that are operating in unseen realms, really pitting humans against humans and controlling both sides. Yeah, and I also see this kind of there's the totalitarianism of both sides. It's especially obvious on the left, which it's not, you know, traditionally well known for being totalitarian, but there's a leftist totalitarianism kind of mindset where people pressure people to take a side, much like they were doing during 2021, 2020, when BL BLM activists were forcing others to take a knee or put up fists in restaurants and I'm sure people remember or some people remember when the BLM activists would just surround someone having a meal and making them put up their fist and it's similar energy in this it's like trying to force people pressuring people um, basically bullying people to take a side And it's very interesting because the, your empathy gets weaponized in psychological warfare. So it's very hard when you see these horrific images, especially of children, of being heard, of innocent civilians being heard, and not get some sort of emotional reaction that wants to spur you into action. So, but I would argue that just virtue kind of signaling your support on social media, like some things you can spread awareness, you can make people aware of this issue. I think that's all fine and good. But a, some of, a lot of this, I would argue, is out of our control. And so this is how people gain also a sense of control within the thing. It's like, I'm just going to share violent images from the war so that people wake up. And that gives them a sense of like, okay, I'm, I'm doing something, yeah. you know? And 
to be fair, I did exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to be uh, hold the mirror on myself, so I know where these people are coming from. You know, 10, 15 years ago, when I was, you know, pe- most people maybe who now speak out about it didn't do that 10 years ago or weren't even aware of it. I spread all very horrific pictures, especially from Gaza, from killed children, mutilated children, from bomb attacks, missiles, uh, crying parents, like horrific pictures. It also got me emotionally. And like on some level, if you have a conscience, you obviously want to do something about it. It's very easy to get hijacked by that, right? Yeah, yeah. So let me just share also a little bit, because I hear a lot of people talking about how important decolonization is in regards to this issue. And this is a word that I feel personally allergic to. It's kind of falls into under the DEI, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Initiative. And the main thing that people need to understand is that decolonization is not just about removing occupying forces from land. It means many different things in the woke lingo. And I see a lot of people basically sharing how important decolonization is. Meanwhile, they're an immigrant who work or they're 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 a settler who lives in Costa Rica or in South America. So, you know, we really need to understand what we're supporting because basically I see a lot of people supporting cultural Marxist ideas, which in my view is the real one of the real factors we need to become aware and speak out against because of this issue. So, and you know, there's many, if you, if you Google decolonization, it's very interesting what comes up. Many educational websites, the UN actually has its own initiative for decol. They have a decolonization committee, which started in 1961 and you know, here's a quote from Photographers Without Borders who talk about decolonization and kind of the definition that it really means. And they say, colonization is still happening right now. Just look to Palestine, Israel, Russia, North America, and North America to see how much work is needed to achieve global decolonization. This is the most important point. Most people think of decolonization as the removal of occupying forces, which is not the case. The long-term decolonization process spans a wide realm of external land borders and demilitarization and internalized factors. Internalized factors is the key word here. Mm-hmm. And here's what James Lindsay, he had this whole like uh, sheet, like reference sheet of like how to translate different woke buzzwords. And he really nailed it when he wrote about decolonization. And he says, decolonization, what they mean is removing European influences, which is an attempt to delegitimize the United States as a colonial project, replacing ver- universal equity with a liberal... Equality. Not- you know, sorry, replacing universal equality with a liberal non-European traditions. So this is very related to this idea of structural, structural racism or institutional racism in practice. When people talk about decolonization, it's not about just removing Israel from Palestine, giving that land back to them. They mean decolonizing education. They mean decolonizing museums. They mean decolonizing your own mind. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what does it mean, for example, to decolonize? colonize a museum. Let's look at what the American Alliance of Museums says about it. And they say in their own words, it's not just about inviting indigenous and other marginalized people into the museum to help the institution improve its exhibitions. It's an overhauling of the entire system. 
Otherwise, museums are merely replicating systems of cult colonialism, exploiting people of color for their emotional and intellectual labor within their institutions without a corollary in respect and power. So I just want to point this out. And, you know, I think I put, there's a really great talk where um, James Lindsay kind of breaks down how all of these kind of woke buzzwords are in practice, which I highly recommend listening to with some of his work, but it's really important to understand that decolonization does not mean removing occupying forces from certain lands. It's about removing white European influences from all parts of the world, from education and schools to museums, to your own brain, to within history. It's very similar to this quote, anti-racism work where they talk about removing whiteness. So in practice, it actually involves a lot of racist practices against anyone of European uh, ancestry under the disguise of making things more equitable. It's part of cultural Marxism, where they divide people into certain groups of oppressed and oppressor and pit them against each other. So the reason why I'm sharing about this is because I see a lot of people who are in the quote unquote truth movement who are maybe on the same uh on had the same perspective as about then that we do about the vaccine and everything that's happened there, but they've literally started sharing memes from popular BLM influencers who are say they support Marxism about decolonization of people. So they're pushing cultural Marxist theories dressed up in these different woke buzzwords, and they have no idea what they've just started supporting. Yeah, very well laid out. Thank you. So it's also important to understand that truth is mixed with lies. And the way the the hidden forces or the 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 agenda works of the new world government and new world order and all of that which we see with the wokeism and the World Economic Forum and everything that's happening in the world, the cultural Marxism, this infusion, um, is they take a bit of truth, this truth mix of lies. Because yeah, there's oppression happening. Definitely Israel has been invading this country, Palestine, and all of that and suppressing the people, oppressing them. There's truth in that, absolutely, right? Just like there's been genocide put on the, the Native American people all over the world. But it's 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 being used, this truth, via hijacking, as you mentioned, empathy and compassion for a very uh, more serious agenda that will enslave all of humanity. Exactly, Under the yeah. socialist, Marxist, one-world government. They need under the, the pretext of equality and equity for all. It's like Sri Abhinav said, it's forced unity, right? But it's not equity for all. It's actually racism against know, people of European influence that's, they're background. Just, they're just using these words in their yes. own definitions. I'm just trying to say how they hijack these words and compassion, empathy. And then also, where's the chicken the egg? Because all, how much far back do you go into history? Who colonized who and all of that all yeah, over the world? And the museum, for example, a museum is meant to show history and artifacts from history. To decolonize history is to leave, is to basically rewrite history, essentially. Yeah. So this is the whole issue, is that it it comes with the process of rewriting history. I'm not arguing that, you know, against putting more indigenous art in museums or, you know, having more uh, indigenous history, even in schools. I'm all for it. But in practice, it actually involves a lot of racism. Yeah. So let's go back to 
the Israel-Palestine attack and war in general and look at more from a deeper cult perspective and also psycho-spiritual perspective as we just alluded to. Like David Alk pointed right out right away, as I mentioned in the beginning, nobody asked the obvious questions of this so-called surprise attack by Hamas at this music festival. It was literally looks like it was allowed to happen, like 9-11 was fabricated, allowed to happen to instigate the war of terror. So, and David Eck also nailed it that um, everything is owned by the so-called cult, by the cabal, by the cult, the hidden forces who control both sides. Um, but so many people do take the bait and like Laura just um, showed very well, the whole pro-Palestinian cause has been hijacked by the woke left. It's very, very different now than when I was more an uh, activist 10, 15 years ago uh, because it's also very disturbing. The fact of the matter is the real victims are civilians on both sides, right, who are being used in a sick game to get the sympathy of the masses, mm -hmm. hijacking their compassion and anger, you know, as the cabal on some level controls both sides. Just, uh, you know, like it controlled and financed Hitler, Stalin, and the Allies for, for maximum profit back in the days. Because, yes, all wars are bankers' wars. You can literally pick any war. What you see on the surface is just appearance and people getting easily distracted by the shadows on the wall as they're being emotionally manipulated to align with the very dark agenda under the virtue of justice, defense, justified retaliation decolonization, fighting evil, patriotism, bringing freedom, all these buzzwords are being used with these images very emotionally charged and you get easily hijacked to get the consent, this almost a cold trap of agreement to align with the side, to create the maximum luge, pit humans against humans and get support for a war, for yeah. even world, possibly World War III. It's very, very dangerous, very serious. It can, and it was more disturbing, as we mentioned in the beginning, how many people in the so-called conservative or truther movement took the bait as well, the obvious bait. Right? So we need to look behind uh, the shadows on the wall, so to speak, and see what's really going on, how we're being manipulated. And that doesn't mean um, to you know just be neutral and stand back and do nothing. No, we need to really understand more the hidden powers and then engage more in the inner work as well and really understand how easily we can get hijacked or our actions can get hijacked if you're not truly grounded in our true self. Because action is necessary, but it needs to be aligned with some higher force. Yeah, it's from not from your trauma, basically. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so what's really important to understand, also, by the way, on a side note, it was very interesting to see... Uh, that's also the Zionist control. The moment you even slightly criticize the state of Israel, right, uh, or in the brutal treatment of the Palestinians over the past 50 years, I've experienced you being labeled as an anti-Semite, right? Mm -hmm. That's also why fascinating every single presidential candidate supports Israel and its right to defend itself. Even Robert Kennedy Jr. came out with it. Well, every they, single one. Didn't they have just a vote in Congress I showed you where like it was like literally 74 to zero in support of... Exactly, 74 to zero in support to Israel to defend itself. Very true. Yeah. The fact is there's a big Zionist control um, in U.S. government and you don't make it in U.S. politics until you give 100% allegiance to Israel and the Zionist cause, period. But here's the, here's the trick or the, the other issues. But putting Palestine, or especially Hamas and Palestine, in a pure victim role is also a trap, mm -hmm. right? Similar to the trap of getting in, caught up in the victim-perpetrator-savior triangle. It's a psychological model and it goes round and round we go. 
we have to understand that there's a third power. And now we go deeper into the occult, the hidden realm, right? That inspire and control both sides. It's not a human cabal, but these forces have been behind any war throughout human history to pit humans against humans and to feed off of the maximum loose frequency of suffering, violence, hate, and anger as they work through their human puppets and the masses. And I've talked about this hyperdimensional matrix system throughout for many years in my work. People who followed of our podcast and my work are very aware of that. And that's really what's happening, right? So we need to understand the occult agenda that's going on for thousands of years. Because what's happening, especially now in the Middle East, that didn't just start a few years ago. It didn't even start just 50 years ago. That's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, and the beings who act through humans work way beyond our sense of space and time. And I give a very telling quote from Sri Aurobindo, who hinted at this force over 100 years ago. He said, look at what happened in 1914, or for that matter at all, that is and has been happening in human history. The eye of the yogin, which is the spiritual seeker, sees not only the outward events and persons and causes, but the enormous forces which precipitate them into action. If the man who thought were instruments in the hands of rulers and financiers, these in turn were mere puppets in the clutch of those occult forces. The apparent freedom and self-assertion of our personal being to which we are so profoundly attached conceal a most pitiful subjection to a thousand suggestions, impulses, impulsions and forces which we have made externals to our little person. Our ego boasting of freedom is at every moment the slave, toy and puppet of countless beings, powers, forces and influences in universal nature. When one is habitu habituated to see things behind, one is no longer prone to be touched by the outward aspects or to expect any remedy from political, institutional or social changes. The only way out is through the descent of a divine consciousness which is not the puppet of these forces, but is greater than they are. And this is exactly the realization I had the last time I was at a pro-Palestine protest over 10 years ago. So what does it mean, uh, the only way out is the descent of a divine consciousness which is not the puppet of these forces? We need to open ourselves to the divine force. We need to do the inner work to work through our traumas, conditioning, programming, socially, culturally, shadow aspects, where these forces tag into, where even the 3D forces hijack our compassion, empathy, to anchor the divine force. Because the more we come in alignment with truth, our true being, and clear ourselves, the more we actually create order in the world, the more we come uh, create peace in the world. Because as Sri Aurobindo Carl Jung said, the the conflict, the war in the world is also a mirror of the conflict within our own being, exactly. our own shadow. And uh, this is extremely hard for the our conditioned ego to understand and to admit to because the ego lives in fear separated from the other, right? It doesn't see oneness. And then people use this as an excuse, well, should, are we supposed to just meditate on love and peace and not do anything? Um, or people doubt this idea that anything in a work will result in positive change. I would say most people who say this have never sincerely, and the emphasis is on sincerely, engaged in inner work, which is way harder, takes way more courage than any battle out there to face your own stuff. Uh, and number two, it 
it has been literally written throughout all of yeah. history yeah. and all of spiritual teachings <laughs> How many have repeated it over and <laughs> over, over and, and over again, including Jesus. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and for example, like imagine that you're in a state of anger, of chaos, of trauma, and you decide you're going to paint something from an expression of your mood in the moment. What do you think you're going to paint? You're going to paint more anger and chaos and distortion on the page, most likely. And then imagine you are in a loving, peaceful place. What do you think you're going to paint? And it's the same thing with anything in this world is like what's within gets the fruits of what's within are shown externally in our lives. Yeah. Um, but people don't want to actually hear this. And similar to you, actually, I was reflecting as you were sharing about Israel-Palestine is that my own trauma and wounds were driving my activism for a period as well. But in this case, it was actually indigenous people of Canada who, because of my own, my family, for those who have listened to this podcast or are new, um, was put in the Japanese internment camps. And so my dad even explicitly said that he has a lot of compassion and sympathy for the indigenous people because they were treated horrifically as were Japanese people when my dad was growing up and even when I was growing up a little bit. So my unhealed wounds around that became the perfect fuel for me to attach to standing up for indigenous people and going to protests and whatnot. And I still feel a very strong love and appreciation for indigenous people and their culture. However, I don't feel this need to save them because of my own emotional attachment to that issue anymore. Yeah. It's a very different relationship. And I think a lot of people, their own activism often is fueled by some unresolved stuff in their own unconscious. Absolutely. And then, as I just hinted at, from this occult perspective, we're dealing with forces, the forces of darkness, Sri Aurobindo, Stein, and many others have talked about that have hijacked human evolution thousands and thousands of years ago. And they live in a realm beyond time and space. For them, uh, a human life is, is span is nothing. They have lifespans of thousands, if not millions of years. So they have all the patience in the world. And the trap people are so stuck in, they're stuck in this 3D version of reality. And that's all they see. Right, like Plato's allegory on the on the cave. I always bring this up because it's a great example how people just get distracted by the shadows on the wall and then see not who who is actually creating the film uh, with the flame. You know, when if you know the the allegory. So basically, as long human humans or humanity mistake physical reality as the only reality, stuck in the outdated age of materialism, we also in the dark age of materialism and not recognizing a spiritual reality. Or that humanity is the only, quote, intelligent life form um, and to deny the metaphysical nature of forces. And I'm not necessarily talking about any aliens and T's from other planets, but hidden forces that exist right within us outside of our five sensory perception and that move and act on humans outside our awareness and have so for thousands of years, nothing will change fundamentally. And we humans keep being puppets for these hidden forces under the illusion of free will. For example, you know, one side wants to take out Hamas and the Palestinians and eradicate them. And it's very awful what some Zionist Israelis see Palestinians as just animals and just want to eradicate it all. The other side wants to get rid of Israel and Netanyahu and all of the, uh, you know, Zionists and all of that. They want to eradicate each other. Yeah, But even as they're doing it and already in the process of trying to kill each other, 
nothing will change because the forces who control both sides, if you would get rid of one side completely, the, the forces who have been in control are still active and they're just going to possess other humans. They infuse other ideologies to keep the perpetual war of humanity going in classic divide and conquer so faction. basically what you're saying is that even if like Israel killed all of Hamas or Hamas killed all of Israel, yeah. the occult forces that are running through these people would just occupy another group of human beings or movement. Exactly. And uh, absolutely, Sri Abinder talked about this in more depth as well as many others, because they possess humans, right? Even Sri Aurobindo hinted at the futility of, of capital punishment, the death penalty, even murderers, psychopaths, pedophiles, killing them. Yeah, you get some sort of relief, but it doesn't eradicate the cause, which was another force that has occupied that human being. Mm -hmm. And again, how do we, uh, then people who are not aware of this topic, well, are we supposed to just fight the occult forces? No, the key is the descent of a higher consciousness that is bigger than them. It's about the spiritualization of our nature. It's about engaging in the inner work to really become the change. It's on a metaphysical, psychological, spiritual level, we need to make the change, a true shift in consciousness. Yeah. That's the key point. Yeah. And as long as we keep feeding these beings through our unresolved trauma, through our lower nature, through our unconsciousness, this will continue, basically. I mean, you see this. This is yeah. like, the funny thing is, or not funny, but interesting thing is, is I'm seeing similar spiritual and energetic patterns happening right now than what happened in 2020 and 21. It's like the same forces taking up a different cause, taking up different people, and but it's the same result, basically. Exactly. Is that division, hatred, hating people who think differently than you, and, you know, I've also, we've also talked about this on other podcasts about this cultural Marxist theories, which is basically taken from Marxism itself, was originally seeded by demonic forces. That's why I'm, that's why I'm so like, you know, whenever anyone, because I know people who speak out about colonialism and, you know, I would also argue there's some cases of decolonization, like what happened to India, which I can see their reasoning for. However, we need to be so careful around these buzzwords and language because to me, there's a really big demonic force working through Marxism that's getting people to kind of basically jump on board with a lot of the woke ideology as well right now. Yeah, so you have to understand these are called forces control all sides, you know. They are now in this uprising, you know, hijacking Palestinian activists, just as they're hijacking Israeli activists. Yeah, yeah. And But these are called forces, we have talked about this before, also behind the woke left, like you mentioned, the neo-Marxist communist infiltration. Yeah, uh, it's of very institutions clear. Of uh, BLM, Antifa, the WAF, WHO, UN, all of that. But also, and that's very important for truth seekers, <laughs> so to speak, to understand who are overly focused on the 3D aspect of reality or conspiracy. They are also... These forces also control the Zionists, the Rothschilds, the Illuminati, Luciferian, whatever people want to folk, focus on. Mm. These human controllers are puppets themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's the key point to understand. Yeah. So basically what we see happening now with the Israeli-Palestine conflict very intensely, one side is screaming retaliation and give them hell, Netanyahu, as Jordan Peterson and other alternative influences did, basically calling for the killing of more human desert revenge and almost starting World War III. 
Now, the other side also celebrates the death of hundreds of Israeli citizens and supports the resistance of Palestine, calling for decolonization, wanting more of the same. So both sides, both sides are literally, in, in their own ways, taken over by Wetiko, which we have talked about before, Paul Levy's work, this psychic, the disease of the soul that kind of is kind of an expression of these occult forces, so to speak. And then people infected with Tico become unconscious pawns under the control of occult forces they have no awareness of. And we're going to talk more about Wetiko in that context in the second hour. Mm -hmm. um, but what's happening, and we've, we've, Laura and I, we have talked this, seen this over the past couple of years, even more, and we've talked about this, right? This, everything what's happening uh, also will result in a more extreme polarization between left and right. Right, this ties into this identification with the side, the liberals versus the conservatives, and all of that, with more radical forms of their various manifestations uh, over the years to come. So it's almost each side wants to eradicate the other side. It's pure radical infused madness, and in a way, both sides have become what they claim to fight against, and not unknowing to them, but they both actually support an agenda and forces they have no understanding or awareness of. They don't know they're taken over by Watiko, and they. Some, I've even noticed some people talking about this is demonic and occult forces, but meanwhile, yeah, only for their side, only against the side that they want to eradicate. Whatever. They don't see it in themselves, basically. Exactly. It reminds me in our last podcast with Paul Levy, who's written three books of Watiko. We had a, at the beginning we talked about the many misconceptions about Watiko, and people think they know what it is without really having studied. Uh, Botico or his work at all and completely distorting the meaning of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just to close off the first hour and then we go deeper in, in, the, in some of these topics in the second hour, these are very crucial times, right? And I again want to uh, talk about Sri Aurobindo and the mother because they are forewarned of this time. If humanity doesn't truly wake up and make the sincere effort to purify and spiritualize themselves via the inner work and surrender to the divine, and we're talking about the divine, not the religious God, because religions, organized dogmatic religions, including dogmatic Christianity, are part of the control system as well that externalize the Savior, externalize God, or project human moralities into God, right? So if you don't learn our lesson, we may experience another dark night of civilization, as the mother called it, a necessity to repeat the cycle. Can you just describe that a little bit? Because people might not know what you're pointing at. Uh, describe... Uh, dark night of civilization and the necessity to repeat the cycle. The repeat the cycle, meaning that everything, linear time is illusion. Everything goes into cycles. History repeats in cycles, you know? So we there have been other cycles. We're tricked to believe, let me put it this way, we're tricked to believe that right now humanity is the pinnacle of civilization and we're the high, highest evolved. No, there have been ancient civilizations, goes back to ancient Egypt, even Atlantis, where even more technic technologically advanced as we are now, uh, as we are right now, but they also abuse the power, they abuse technology, uh, they let ego take over the thirst, the low expressions of money, power, and sex, so to speak, and that resulted in this destruction destroying themselves, the destruction of Atlantis, almost the divine pressing the, ups, the ultimate reset button to restart the cycle until we learn our lessons. That That's what uh, Sri Yobindo meant by the possible necessity to repeat the cycle. Um, this is also the, term, the time of transition, which I have talked about a lot, taken from esoteric tradition. We are in the 
the Christian esoteric tradition. We are in the time of transition. There's a possibility, a true possibility, an opportunity on the positive way to for a true awakening and for a true spiritual awakening for the world. Because where the darkness comes up, this can be used as a teaching function for a great awakening. But it's not a guarantee. Well, it, we have to use it for a teaching We have function. to use it. it can, we can sink deep into the dark night of civilization as well and the con, uh, destruction of civilization if we don't learn our lesson, if we literally destroy each other through this divide and conquer agenda that is playing out on occult levels. Okay, so we're going to continue talking about this in the second hour. We're going to really talk about this uh, psychological, emotional, spiritual warfare, how it's being fought through us. We're going to, I also want to touch upon some things I'm going to see, and I'm already seeing with Pluto and Aquarius and these kind of splintered off groups. How can we protect ourselves from psychological and spiritual warfare? Um, we're going to talk about different psychological issues we see happening, which is also how we protect ourselves against psychological warfare, because you need to understand your own mind because psychological warfare works with your own psyche against you, works with your own emotional wounds and immaturity. It will use them against you. So we need to understand this level of it. Um, we're going to really share about the kind of inner work that's most important during this time how to recognize with Tico in yourself, um, how personality disorders also can get caught up in various forms of activism very easily. And yeah, and really also the last thing, this idea um, of the wall, which maybe you can just share a little bit about that just briefly. Yeah, very fascinating. I want to talk about this concept of the wall, which is the vision uh, uh, a vision a Sufi master had in deep meditation. There's this wall separating humanity is in complete darkness. And there's this wall, and on the other side of the wall is the divine light, and it's very thick, the wall, and it's been actually created by humans themselves. So I want to talk about this. And The wall uh, basically prevents a certain level of consciousness from reaching humans, right? Yes, exactly. So I want to talk more about uh, this concept of the wall in the second hour. Okay, great. So yeah, and yeah, last, just closing up, um, again, Bernhard has his workshop. Uh, so if you want to sign up for that, go to createdivineabundance.com. One word, all three words all put together. And then lastly, I just want to thank everyone who's left us a review on iTunes um, and rated our podcast. It really helps us with the algorithm. So thank you all so much for leaving reviews. And for people who haven't, now that we've reached the end of the second hour, maybe you can take a little bit of a break, um, go on the iTunes app or go on to your podcast app if you're on a phone. And just go on there and just give us a rating. It really helps our podcast reach other people. It helps us bump up the charts and the algorithm. And so we would really appreciate it if you like this podcast, if you could take a moment to do that. Excellent. Thank you. And see you shortly in the second hour. And by the way, if you want to sign up to the second hour, go to veilofreality.com. <laughs>